Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, that groundskeeper dude is killing it. He is doing he's a great job. Too. Yeah. He is efficient. You know, it's like you said, it looks like he's doing graffiti, only staying well within the boundaries of the letters that he His is His linesmanship is really good. Yes. Is that a good way to call it? Linesmanship? Yeah, linesmanship. His lines, yes, his linesmanship is uh, off the charts, man. He's just staying on. Whoop, look there it. we go. It was a little light. He didn't like it, so yeah. he came back. Uh, yeah. Did yeah. a little bit more. Okay. He now thus approves of it and moves on. To the 40-yard line after crossing over the 50. Boy, just think that, about it. In Canada, it would be harder because you got the 55, too. Oh, man. Just think about how much longer that would be. Yeah. Oh. I mean, you got to go and, paint the 5-5. Five five. And the width of the – like, the length of the field is longer, too. So – and it's wider. Yes. So, you know, you have to kind of pace yourself a little bit more on that. Yeah, exactly, because it's, it's much wider. And then the end zones – well, you and, can throw a go route from the two-yard line. And also, you have to remember, they also put the zero on the on the yard line down in Canadian football. That's right, zero, zero. The, yeah, they have the zero, zero, and then they have the uh, then they go by every five yards in some some stadiums. Oh God. Anyways, I'm oh. starting to tire myself out just thinking about yes, it. Yes, that would that yeah. would that would definitely be tough stuff. So you're joining us in the locker room, and the locker room is here at Saint Vincent's College as we uh, yinzer it up there a little bit. We have tonight. Friday Night Lights, and one of the things that we're always looking forward to, again, are the, the matchups that, you know, are going to break out tonight. And one of them is going to be uh, in backs on backers, one-on-ones, but there's also going to be the seven-on-sevens. And one of the guys that showed up yesterday during the – and by the way, uh, that day off yesterday because I think – you, 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 Yeah, you're, you're prepping for um, – you know, having a good showing on Friday night. You had T.J. Wadhead off, Captain Cam. Alex Highsmith, Allen Robinson, Isaac Suamalo, uh, Keanu O'Neill, and Deontay Johnson all were given vet days off yesterday. Well they deserved. should be, yeah, well deserved, and especially for Captain Cam, um, no doubt about it. Uh, this is going to be big. They're going to have a, a lot of fun, and I think you know the backs on backers and and so forth. But we got some goal line work going on Ooh, that might be yes. very interesting. And one of the guys that that showed up yesterday during the uh, two minute drill that was run at the end of practice was Mount Washington himself, Darnell Washington. Two grabs. Two yeah. grabs yesterday in that two-minute drill. And i got to tell you something. He sure made it look easy, didn't he? He did. He made it look really easy. And this is one of the things that I love. He is consistently showing up on the tape yeah. and showing out on the tape. Yep. And, we were, I was, like I said, I was worried. After, like, day like day one was good, and then day two and day three kind of took a step back um, with the install and kind of a lot – I think a lot more stuff kind of thrown at him from the playbook-wise. Yep. So I'm kind of thinking, hesitating, resi- you know, kind of a little reluctant to pull the trigger because he's thinking up top. 
and every rookie goes through it. So let me not – I'm not saying this as though I'm outing him or putting this, but every rookie goes through that moment where the playbook becomes a lot because it's like we you take smaller bites at the apple. Yes. Early in the year with mini camp and OTAs, right? It's taking one or two plays or one – type style of play and kind of doing the different things off of it the run the play action the full out pass out of this formation correct every day you're putting it and and they're and they're in silos so they're not like added on to where it's like hey we're doing what we did yesterday and we're doing what we're doing today it's like today is just this at camp now you start to get what we call the mental force multipliers (laughs) that's a lot that is and now you're adding Every single day, but you're adding on top of everything. And the stuff from yesterday, the stuff from two days before is still in there on top of the new stuff. And it, bec- it becomes a brain scrambler at yeah. some point yep. where you're just you're trying to take in as much information. You're trying to remember every single key, every word, terminology. Ooh, yep. it, <laughs> it just becomes a word salad. Yep. And so he kind of swam a little bit in that moment. Uh, his feet weren't on the ground. <laughs> he was he was elevated. <laughs> yes, you can tread water. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes you go under. Sometimes you go under a little bit. Then you there come you, back up for breath. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yep. But now we're talking three days in a row since Pad's Day, the initial, and then the the next day, and then yesterday was, of course, that shells and helmets practice. And he's just been getting better and better and better since the pads have been put on and now it becomes football for him and you could see the light go on with him to where he's like no this 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 is what i do guys <laughs> like like i'm here i catch balls and i block people that's just that's just it he is being impressive just like you said each and every day the other day they had him on a throwback screen boom just you know cruising down the field that's a lot of mass that's yes. a lot of mass to, for a defensive back, a linebacker, have to come up and put a whackeration on him. It's going to take, you know, it's going to take everything you got to take him off his feet. And if he can hurdle like we've seen off his film, get Zooks, man. The, the guy, the guy could just be demonstrative uh, in in so many situations. The, the two minute drill, he caught that ball and fell down at the. Well, Mike says he fell down at three, and as Mike says, I make the rules. You yeah. Know? So. You go by that. But I, I'm not so sure he fell down at the three. And had they been in pads when he caught that ball, I think, he, you know, he might have crashed through. Uh, there was a couple of Lilliputian-type uh, defensive backs on him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, listen, if I'm, trusting, if I'm trusting my DB to take him down in one shot head-to-head, I've lost my mind. Yeah. Because there's no That's way. Hurt. one You guy might lose your mind. Yeah, exactly. You might get it scrambled. But – um, but in seven shots, had the touchdown in the corner in the end right. zone. That looked easy. Yes. Mismatch on a safety. Yes. And the safety had no shot. Once no. he high points the football. No, Miles Killebrew was in good position, and the ball yeah. looked like it was going to be thrown out of bounds. Yeah. But, and no, it, you got that, ty- that that tower of a man goes up two hands. And like you said, it, he, he almost can – it looks like his hands can engulf the football. Well, and, yeah, and then come right back down two feet inbounds and just – just t- just tapped and then, and then he fell out. I mean, but secured the ball away. Miles Killebrew is like swiping up on this. It's like it's like when you have to wash like big windows. You're like ah, <laughs> trying to get the top of this thing, and <laughs> I can't get it. I can't get that streak that's up there. You know? yep. <laughs> yeah. So 
he did he, – I mean, and, and then, of course, I mean, the scramble by Mr. Biskey the, the first day after blocking T.J. Watt on two, on, on two consecutive plays, you go into like a team red zone period, play breaks down, Mr. Biskey exits the pocket out to his left, looks back to his right, and Darnell's just sitting there in the middle of the end zone, established in the end zone, and he just throws him a jump ball and just snatches it out of the sky. <laughs> just easy, easy grab. Like easy a, peasy. It's like a tip ball when you're playing against like a middle school team as you're a high schooler, <laughs> you know. It's like, what is this kid doing? Why did y'all put the 5'6 guy on the tip-off team? Yeah, that's exactly. Essentially, essentially what it looked like. So I'm really excited to see him tonight, and especially in those goal line situations, right, when you line up in a big personnel 13 yep, grouping, yep. and then to have them disperse um, out into pass routes, I'm like, he has to be option number one. I would think so. And here's the other thing about it, too. I'm anxious to see how Matt Canada goes about using his goal line reps. You yes. know, The other day we had a little look where two – Najee on seven shots, two times in a row, bang, bang. I think that was the first day. Yeah. Uh, carried the ball. All right. Uh, yeah. I always thought. Eh, is that, mentality. Yeah. It's a, it's a little indicator of where your mindset is. You want to, as Ken Wisenhut did so many years ago, you know, was pounding away with the run just because. 14 he, straight 14, reps on goal line. That's just unbelievable, wolf. man. That, that that will be illegal today. Yeah. <laughs> that will be illegal That's, today. They call that lineman abuse. But, yeah, that but that was that was our world because Coach Cower wanted to start practice in pads every day. Goal line, five shots. Yep. Let's do it. Let's see who wins. And, of course, that's now evolved to what Tomlin now has seven shots slash his five-on-five good-on-good in season yes. at, to, to end the Wednesday practice. So it's kind, of, it's kind of a hybrid of both of those things that he does. Right. But Cower, that's what Cower wanted to do. He wanted to establish the run and wanted to make sure we knew we had a mentality. Hey, we might not do it every time. But you're going to have the muscle memory to remember what to do. And that was my rookie year. So it was like, go get your brain smashed in to start practice. And then we had nine on seven right after individual and stretch. And it was more smash football. <laughs> and I'm sure you could appreciate that, Wolf. It was like, establish a run first. Yep. Pass will come off the run. But we are going to run, the, run the ball. In case you were wondering what we were going to do, it's run the football. Yes. <laughs> and when in doubt, Run, run the, the football, football more. And then four-minute offense was six-minute offense at the end of games where it's like we're just, we're just going to uh, battering ram you in the same spot over and like over. And, like a siege machine back in medieval times. You Absolutely. know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're just going to continually just wear this door down. I don't care how big the weights are in the chains holding this door in place. We're going to wear you down, and we're going to come right there every single time. We're, there, hey, you were wondering where we're going last play? The next play, we're going to the same spot. And then the play after that, guess what? We're going to go in the same spot, and we're going to dare you to stop us. A little bit different today's NFL. You know, you just hit Siege Machine. It reminds me of when I, the family was in London, and we went to the Tower of London. You oh, know, yeah. one of the old – I mean, this is a thousand-year-old castle. Yeah. Get zooks, man. It was that something. And I remember we went into one of the uh, the dungeon where, the you know, where they kept the prisoners. Yeah. And guys had actually – etched their name in stone uh, with somehow rubbed it in the stone and they had covered it in glass so that you could see it without touching it. They don't, yeah. So it didn't fade. But people that were going to be executed and they knew their execution date and everything. And this is like in the 1600s. Yeah. In the 1400s. I mean, you're like going, you got to be kidding me. That's yeah. crazy. You know, that's back when the siege machine was a big thing. You know? Yeah, it was a big thing. Yeah, and, and that that's how, that's how I felt. I felt like we were like, 
We were going medieval on folks. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's the connection I was looking there for. It was. You came through for me just when I needed you to do that. Do that. All right. One of the other guys. I think um, guy that's been showing up. I think this guy's been popping on the screen, kind of like Jiffy Pop. You yeah. know. And that's Anthony McFarland. Yeah. You know, here's a guy that um, we've been waiting on for a while. Yes. You know, this is a guy Number that, of years. Yeah, he's got speed. He's, he's got some talent, but it's never really come together for him. And now there's an opportunity, or let's just say he's been taking advantage of reps to show what he's capable of doing. And, you know, we I saw him catch a long ball down the sidelines the other day, beat the pants off of the linebacker that was running with him. And he caught the ball beautifully. And I look at that and go, you know, there, there's something about that kid that, that still is keeping him here. Yeah. You know? And, and he has speed. <laughs> well, that's, 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 that's the first thing. <laughs> the first thing. Hello. Hello. Speed kills. And, you, yes. and, and, and as every coach will tell you back, I can't coach speed. No. Cannot coach speed. I can coach everything else. Yep. Can't make you go faster. Think what Heinz Ward would have been. Had he been like Anthony McFarland, oh, you know, I mean, well, we would have been the flash. We wouldn't have been having all these semi semifinalist votes. I can tell yeah. you that much. Oh, in the Hall I of know. Fame. He oh. would, he would have been in a lot faster, but because he doesn't look it, and, and and the stats weren't sexy enough. Would you put Heinz Ward in the Hall of Fame, please? Him, please. you know, and James Harrison. We, you know. Yeah. I know there's that Steeler bias thing. Well, you know what, Dad Gummit, if you got so many great players, maybe you got to have your own wing. Yeah. You know, put that in the Hall of Fame. And there's nothing wrong. I'm sorry. We're tied for the most Super Bowls, and we've done it over time. We didn't get a pressure cooker right. like, the, right. like the New England Patriots and kind of just reel them off. Yes, that's dynastical in its own approach. Dynastical, very nice. But, you know, we knew who the main perpetrator was of that, <laughs> yeah. right? It was Tom Brady. We yes. found that out. We found that out. It was not, it was not Bill Belichick. No. <laughs> it was a combination of the two. It was a combination. It was a perfect mixture. Yep. And that was something that did it. But we've done it with three different coaches have won Super Bowls here. It's pretty amazing. That's, pre- that's pretty awesome. Including the only coach to win back-to-back twice. Yes. So you look at that and you say, listen, they're just, they're, they just do it better. And it's okay. It's all right. It's okay. You got to let it happen. But the news people that vote on it, you know, they, they just absolutely – Make it more of a spectacle because everybody wants to be the hero in their hometown. Yes. When you got thirty-two different individuals, and you know what's great? I, you know, I, I work I work with some guys who are who've been on the Hall of Fame voting committee. So and it's just like, it's like yeah, man, it's just it's a lot. But but they were good. Like if you have to change rules for a Hello. person to progress the sport, they've done their job. Yep. They played within the rules that were available to them. And you did not like the way that they did it, so you changed that rule. That's a tip of the cap. Oh man, it was. And that, that's the evolution of this game. Yep. Hines helped evolve this game to where he it's did. at. And why does he not get his due for that? And he did. He did it with a smile. <laughs> he had the proverbial smile all the time. All the time. Good, bad. I mean. He, I mean, some of those smiles were like the like the bad kid, you know. Like remember Problem Child back in the day? Oh yeah, with John Ritter. Yeah. <laughs> The little kid would just smile. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. It's like, hey, ah, he can't be that bad. He's got a bow tie on. He got a smile. You can't, you can't be mad at that kid. He was redhead too, so you're like, ah, he's cute. <laughs> but the kid was devilish. I mean, and that, that, yes, that he was. And that's what Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward played this game at the wide receiver position 
like a linebacker, yes. like a fullback. He wanted action, and he could also then break away from you and, and, ma- and make an awesome touchdown catch like he did in Super Bowl Forty, which earned him a Super Bowl MVP. Hello. Yep, there's if another one. If you win a Super Bowl MVP, I'm sorry, you should be you should move to the front of the list. Well, exactly so. I mean, any it's not like he doesn't have the stats. All right, it's yeah. not the greatest of the wide receiver stats. Longevity. But, but you have to remember yeah. in the context of what the Steelers' offense was at the time. You yeah. know, he and he certainly changed the game. They changed the rules for him. The Heinz Ward rule, you know, when the hunter becomes the hunted. You know, or yeah. the hunted become the hunter. That's there we right. go. I got it backwards. Ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun. Yeah. That's my oh, favorite, that's my there favorite you go. one. Yeah. <laughs> ain't, no fun. ain't no fun when the rabbit's got the gun. I like yeah. that. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. But that's, that's the point. That's what he became. And, you know, I remember, you know, the defensive backs, you could hear him talking about the fact first thing doing is trying to locate where Hines is. Yeah, where's 86? You know? Yeah. Where's 86? Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis was scared of him. Yeah. He was literally scared of Hines Ward every t- And we played him twice a year. Right, correct. Like how – and he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. A Hall of Famer was scared of another man on a football field. You never say that, right? Right. The Gold Jackets, they were, they were the apex predators. Yes, yes. And Hines was an apex predator on the offensive side of the ball. There you go. Say no more. Say no more, exactly. Yeah. Who was, who was the, the mad backer, Bart uh, – Oh, Bart Scott. Yeah, Bart Scott. You yeah. know, I remember when Hines said – you know, I heard Bart Scott said, I'm going to kill him. Yeah, know, he wanted to kill Hines. He wanted kill to physically of the fact, kill Yeah, yeah. Because of the fact that he was just so effective in his blocking as well as his route running and everything else. And it was always – it was a diversion because it made those guys in the second level up always yeah. aware of – got to find out where 86 is. Head on a swivel. Head on a swivel indeed. At all plays. Like, hey, we're, oh, this, this, is an intense, this is an intense matchup. Where's Heinz Ward? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that Bart Scott carried that fear from Baltimore – to the New York Jets yes. lets you know all you need to know. That really does say, say it all. You yeah. know, there's no question about it. But All right, so i got to kick us back to where we were going. Yeah. Anthony McFarland's got an opportunity to, to uh, be back number three. Yeah. He you know what I mean? The, and you never know. I mean, guy in yeah, the rotation. He, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, Jalen Warren's still got to keep coming along. Jalen Warren, though, he had a 75-yard run last I week. I know. It looked easy. Yeah, he did. And, you know, he's stood out in, um, in backs on backers. And Anthony uh, did, okay. did okay. Did okay. Yeah, did okay. But you know what he does is he catches a ball deep and, and runs. Effortlessly. Yeah, he does. I mean, he looks like a, a short wide receiver out there. Yeah. You know, I mean, he catches things in stride. He has great vision and balance. And he does a lot. And what I think is for Anthony, like Anthony provides that additional change up. Ooh, yeah. You know, and when you're looking at, how like we're like reviewing the tight end position, right? It's a it's a build a tight end, right? You 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 can you can pick your poison at tight end. Yes. You want to have that like same that build type a of tight end. That's you want to have that slate like that with running back because you know you're getting the power and the speed and the physicality with Najee. You're getting power and effort and speed with Jalen Warren, and then you're just getting you silky smooth with Anthony yeah. McFarland. True. A guy who can break to the outside. He has speed for days, and he he has soft hands yes, for a running does. back. A guy, but the one thing, like you said, the one thing that he has to continually work on is his blocking. Because yeah. as a back now in today's NFL, you've got to be multifaceted. You got to have three areas: blocking, running, catching. You've got to be good at all three in today's NFL, especially what we're seeing with running backs and their feelings about contracts. Right. <laughs> so 
you have to be able to do all those things. And Anthony has two of them. Yes. He just has to continually keep coming on with the third one, which is the blocking. And that's where backs on back is going to be really huge for him tonight. Exactly so. And I'm going to be eyeballing him a lot. But I hope he gets some carries tonight. Because I'll tell you, he is the one guy that can bust it coast to coast amongst all the guys. I mean, look, Najee's capable. Jalen Warren's capable. Najee Darius likes Hagen's, contact. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Najee, sometimes <laughs> he runs the contact. Yeah, he's a, he, he, he does not seek comfort. Yeah. Yeah, his comfort is collision. <laughs> they both start with C, just in very yeah. differently for the defense. <laughs> and that's the truth, yes. You so, know. yeah. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, Jalen presents a different set of circumstances and the fact that, you know, he's a shorter guy. Yeah. You know, he's got the, the short area quicks. You know, that sort of thing. He accelerates elusive. quickly. And elusive. Elusive, yes. And, yes. you know, again, you know, you get lost amongst those big beef eaters up front. Yeah. You know, and he, he pops out, does a great job. His, his cutback skills are great. But I'm telling you, with Anthony McFarland, man, he can bust it. And yeah. it's just interesting to watch him. So that's, that's, uh, that's one of the guys that I want to see tonight. And another guy that I want to see, and I hope that we get a chance to interview sometime, is Elijah Riley. You yeah. know, I was texting with my son, Kyle Jacob. You know, he's a major in the Army. He's, he uh, was a teacher at West Point at, at, during one of his um, stints. Stints, thank you very yeah. much. Uh, and and I, I'm trying to find out. He was trying to figure out, did he ever come across Elijah Riley? Did he have him as a West cadet? Point? Yes. Yeah. So he was there as a uh, teacher from 2018 to 2021. So I just wonder if they crossed paths at all. Wow. So your son was also an adjunct perfect professor. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, 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 I mean, that's, that's, that's yeah. pretty. CJ's older brother, yeah. Kyle Jacob. It's pretty awesome. He, you know, he may even be up for oh. lieutenant colonel in not too Ooh. long. Yes, we're extremely humbly proud of the young man that uh, Kyle Jacob is. Kyle's awesome. And once again, you know, our, our men and women that serve this country, we oh, can't man. say enough. We, we love all of you. We, were, we appreciate yes. you and we respect what you do. And I know for me, like, um, so last night, while I was at Sharky's, um, enjoying a fat guy delight, and oh, he had yes. a salad. Which, um, was, oh, you had a salad with it? No, no, you had a salad. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I had the fat guy delight. You had the You salad. took up arms for us, you yeah, know, once in again, the locker room. I have to represent our room. You do. Right? Yeah. And somebody has to it be the flag bearer. It falls to you. I'm sorry. It I does. carried the mantle for a long time. You did. You, you know, did. Dunch got it all into the, you know, eating uh, nuts and salads and stuff like that. And at and some now point. you've become the nuts and salads. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, it hasn't had the same effect on my, my weight. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't talk about some of the topics on that salad. But we're good. We're good there. But <laughs> Cheesecake is, is it's a topping, you know. It is not a topping on a salad. No. Salad and cheesecake does not go together. But you make you make it look so effortless. Um, I forgot what we were talking about just now. <laughs> we're talking because. about the fat guy special. Well, we were, but before oh, yes. that, we left. Before that, yes. Now, what the other guy is Eli Riley. Elijah yes. Riley. Yeah. Elijah Riley was a West Pointer, captain uh, of the West Point football team. And one of the guys, again, that has been, in my mind, popping off the screen and I'm looking forward to seeing him compete tonight because I think there's a, a lot of good stuff that he's been putting on tape, and it's the continuation in the process of putting that stuff on tape for himself. And one thing to note, he was not here in training camp a year ago. No. He was brought in midseason when yes. we had all good the point. defensive backs that came down. So this is really his first opportunity to really shine in this environment and get a full right. scouting report inside the team environment like this. So that's another thing to point. And I remember what I was going to say. Last night while I was at Sharky's, okay. we had uh, two members 
of the Joint Special Task Force, so who handles all of the all all the tip of the spear guys, right? Wow. Your SEALs, your Green Berets, yeah. your Rangers. And they were there visiting, and so I got to say hello to them oh, as well. Oh, very so, cool. Once again, just paying it forward and, and yes, just thanking, and thanking our men and women. Our men and women, the Armed Forces. Yes. So that that's what I was going to do. And But we're going to step aside because we got we got. Aaron, Guess what we got Aaron coming Smith, up. And we don't want to keep him waiting. No, we, we, want to, we were waiting. talking about him. Now we're going to talk to him. Yes. When we come back here in the locker room, Wolf and Starks, Ninjas, still no squirrels. No squirrels. Which is good. But we'll be back in a minute with Aaron Smith. <laughs> this is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Welcome back, everybody. We're so excited because this segment... It's highlighted by the fact that we got one of the all-time greats. Maybe, you know, Dick LeBeau said, the greatest 3-4 defensive end I've ever seen. Yeah, and that, that's high praise. That's high praise coming high praise. from the great Dick LeBeau. So let's bring into the locker room the great Aaron Smith, a 2023 Hall of Honor recipient. Aaron, it is so good to, that you're joining us here. I wish you were up here in person, my friend, because it's so much fun to hang out with you because you're always trying to, like, throw a Modelio on me or choke me out or something <laughs> like that because you are big into the jiu-jitsu. Yeah, good morning, guys. It's, a, it's an honor to be talking to you. Two of my favorite people. and uh, Just the, the honor that I've had of the Hall of Honor has been a crazy week. But, um, yeah, I'm honored. And I do love jiu-jitsu. no and and smitty you know it was so great seeing you on the field now i will say this well he's been up here twice i mean true that's true twice he's been available to choke hold you twice yeah that's true but um (laughs) but smitty you know we kind of talked about this in the beginning of the show and just kind of want to get your perspective i mean you've always been a guy that's very humble um and you know, this is our chance to pour roses on you, you know, a little bit. And <laughs> just kind of just talk about, I think, your journey from north from northern Colorado to getting drafted to the Steelers and then just kind of that, that, that first level of getting here, establishing yourself, figuring out what it was because you play – I mean, you play defensive end, but learning the 3-4 and how tough that is, can you kind of just give us an insight into that process, your beginning journey here? Yeah, that's, that's a lot to unpack. So, obviously, I came out of Northern Colorado as a fourth-round draft pick, and I always played on the outside. I was rushing. Uh, and then I got drafted here. And they decided to put me inside the tackle. I had never been inside the tackle, just kind of in two-gap to tackle. And I was like, what are you talking about? All I do is run up field and make plays. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't have no gap response, but I just run around like have my head cut off and make plays. And they're like, no, that's not how it works. You got to take on this guy and two gap him wherever he goes. You got to cross the face. I'm like, that's crazy. Like, this dude's four inches taller than me, like Max Starks type guys, like four inches taller than me and 50 pounds heavier. You want me to push him and cross his face? Like, it just was insane. Uh, and then, obviously, I only played nine plays my rookie year. Mm. You know what I mean? And then Orpheus Roy left. And I thought it was going to be my opportunity. And then they brought in Chris Sullivan from New England. And I thought we were going to compete it out. Well, they basically gave it to him through fall, uh, spring ball and OTAs. And uh, we go to camp, and he shows up, and he's hurt. So he has that back surgery. So I had taken every rep. I was taking first team reps, second team reps, and all the scout team reps. So I was taking every rep during practice. 
And I wind up starting the first game against Baltimore, and he comes back against Cleveland. They let him start, and at halftime they come in and they said, Aaron, you're starting the rest of the game. And I was there for 12 more years. Um, But obviously, you know, I mean, it just – I'll be honest with you, at that point, and Max, and you guys could probably understand this, uh, you don't really know if you belong until probably about your third year. And then you get to that point where you're kind of like – Oh, I can I can play in this league. Like I'm I'm at least better than seventy percent of the guys in this league. I'll have a job. So you kind of that's when you kind of when, when you realize you belong is when you I think you really start to take off as a player. Aaron, talk a little bit about the great John Mitchell and what he meant to your career. I mean, let's face it. Um, I came in under a hard taskmaster. And that was Raleigh Dotch. Raleigh brought John Mitchell into the pro ranks of of. of pro football and he was very I always laugh because with Mitch we always talked about Raleigh you know like like uh, Raleigh was the real hard guy and yet here Mitch is the very same way but what a coach he is huh uh, I mean Mitch I can't say enough about uh, coach Mitch I mean he's an old school hard-nosed guy and sometimes when he's getting after you he sees something and you don't see him yourself and uh, you don't understand at the time when you're young and then as you get a little older, you realize he's just a big teddy bear. I always think – I always look at Mitch. You know, I've known Mitch a long time, but Mitch is like an egg, hard on the outside, soft and gooey on the inside. <laughs> he's got one of the biggest hearts I've ever yep. known, and the man just loves deeply. But he wants his players to be successful. And, and obviously you don't understand that when you're young. You know, sometimes you don't understand someone's trying to pull something out of you that, that's inside of you and you don't even know you have it. No, you're absolutely right, uh, Coach Mitch. And here's the thing: as much as Coach Mitch got on us as an offensive line and called us fat and unathletic and everything else, <laughs> um, <laughs> especially especially the one-on-one drills, you let that guy block you, <laughs> you know, it's just, and you're sitting like, "I'm right here, Coach. I'm right here." <laughs> but but I think you know one of the things that I appreciated, and you know, at that point, I believe it was like year four or five for you, Smitty, when I came in as a rookie. And, you know, you're trying to figure this out because, like you said, when you come to the Steelers or you're going up against a 3-4, like I went against nothing but four-down guys. And then to now see this this three-down and two outside backers, like a five-man front essentially in front of you, it was daunting. But what made it even more daunting was I was like, I'm trying to move this guy, and this guy won't let me move. And you, you talked about it, the two-gap, the two-gap aspect that you're trying to – take up two blockers to free up the linebackers. Can you just talk about, I mean, for young guys that don't really understand it or for football fans who don't really understand that part of the 3-4, can you kind of break down just the two-gapping principle? Because it's something as a lineman, like I came as a tackle, and it was very tough for me to understand the concept that the defense was trying to, to accomplish. And you did. You and Chemo made my life hell my rookie year because <laughs> y'all wouldn't move and you guys had such precision with striking in the chest and then throwing that hip in there. So, yeah, two gap. And I don't even know how many teams actually do it anymore. Now, now, I don't yeah. think many guys uh, actually do it just because it's so difficult. And I, I jokingly say this, but I think I started for as long as I did because I couldn't find that many people that could do two gap. You know what I mean? It's just kind of <laughs> one of those things. It's just hard. And uh, I was hoping, thank God we never changed the system because I might have been lost the job. But um, it's kind of a crazy thing when you think about it. Like, basically, when you're two-gapping somebody, you're lining head up on this guy. And if he, if he goes to your right, you have to cross his face and be in that gap. And if he goes to your left, you have to cross his face and be in the gap to your left. So whichever way the offensive lineman goes, you have to cross his face and be there. But the problem with this is, is 
One, he's usually bigger than you. He usually weighs more than you. He knows the snap count, and he knows where he's going. So he's got every advantage, you know. And so yeah. that's where Coach Mitch was fantastic. He taught us, you know, my rookie year, if you don't get your hands on him, you'll have so much trouble crossing the face. You know what I mean? It's the hands that you got to make first contact because then I can control the blocker. And even if I fall behind on the block, I can always recover as long as I have hands-on and separation, you know. Um, but it, it's very difficult. Like I, you know, I, was, I was telling Wolfley at camp, and I don't know if you remember this, Wolf, you know, the hardest part was when Mitch put me in the middle of a field and it was me and Max Starks, and there's a 50, 50 yards, and yes. there's nobody around us, and he said right. two-gap him. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, there's no way this dude can just take off a run forever. He doesn't care, and I have to try to get to him. And then what I realized is if you can do that, it's so much easier when there's 11 guys because now the tackle has a guard or a tight end. They can't take off as far. The spacing is much better. Yes. You know, I didn't realize what Mitch was doing at the time was making my – making if I could do that, I could do it easily when there's 11 guys on the field. You know, Aaron, talk about, again, the, the emphasis on being able to go through your run keys to your pass keys and the ability to flip really quick from either or. <laughs> well, that, that, I think that's, that's the one thing people underestimate in this league, you know, is, you know, the offense, uh, they can run or pass, right? And, and it doesn't yep. matter what down it is. And the ability to – you have to play the run because if you don't play the run, you're going to get killed, right? Yep. So the ability to play the run soundly and then be able to convert to pass rush, I think is one of the most difficult things you can do. You see guys all the time. Yep. I'll, I'll give you a great example. Alonzo Spellman comes in, right? They bring him in. It's probably my fifth or sixth year from Chicago. I think he's at Minnesota. He comes here, and he's just built like a Greek god. You know what I mean? Long arms, six-pack abs, 310, great athlete, first-round draft pick out of Ohio State. And so he comes in, and I'm like, oh, no. So we go down to one-on-ones, and I don't know if you were here at the time, Max. We go to one-on-ones, and Mitch decides he's going to make him take every snap. So he goes down the line from tackle to guard to center to guard to tackle and devastates every one of these dudes. And it's just on, that's unheard of. I mean, to take five reps in a row and just beat all five guys at the pro level. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting here watching this going, oh, man, I'm going to lose my job. Like, my, I'm done. So we go to a team play action pass period, and they throw him in, and they, they play action pass it, and he's just stuck on the block because he couldn't convert. If he right. knew it was pass, he was great. If he knew it was run, it was great. But if he couldn't convert from run to pass. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I'll be good. <laughs> and that's one of the things I think is the hardest things to do, you know, that's underestimated. People don't mention that. People don't talk about that ability to convert and see what the brain is processing and be able to do that. Yeah, and that's one of the mm-hmm. things, you know, I mean, for you, Aaron, um, you know, I appreciated you so much because you helped me as a young player, like, really work on my craft. Because, like you said, when you're dealing with athletes who can do that, and even though I'm trying to sell this dream, right, and play action, right, is selling the dream. <laughs> and, and I just remember one day after practice, it was my rookie year, and we were probably about week four of the season, and I wasn't dressing yet. I was still, you know, just a scout team grunt. And I just remember asking other, I was like, I was like, I was like, Aaron, I was like, what am, what am I doing wrong? And you had this great quote. I don't know if you remember this. You said, probably not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you said this to me, and th- and this stuck with me. And it was, you're doing okay. You just don't have the experience yet. 
And that gave me all the solace I needed was that, okay, I'm on the right track, right? If Aaron Smith is telling me I'm on the right track and I'm just needing to gather experience, I'm going to be okay. Because I was frustrated, right? Because any yeah. young guy, when you're the man and then you come to the pro level, you realize <laughs> you're just one of <laughs> the mans, yeah, right? It's on that team. Yeah, it's a humbling experience. But that helped me a lot. And then in, eventually, you know, two weeks later, I ended up getting, getting my first hat and playing in that New England game. But that moment stuck out with me, and I wanted to thank you for that because that, that helped me then have the career that I had because I, w- I was frustrated coming into this. So thank you for that. Well, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, Max, you did it all. I just, I just worked every day. And the thing that I always believed, and I think our, our team was kind of this way when I was there, is when a guy comes in, you do everything to help him be better because if everybody on your team is better, then it makes you better and you'll be a better team. You know, same thing when yeah. Kiesel came in. I'm like, get better than me. I believe it. I'm going to help you in any way I can because if you're going to get better, that's going to make me better, and we're only going to be better as a group, and it's going to make me a better player. And I think, I think collectively, and, and as we went, I looked back in my career, everybody was like that. Like, I, they, I, there was no destroying some guy or tricking some guy or trying to sabotage a guy. It was more about if we're in this collectively to be the best we possibly can be, and if you're better than me, the more power. I I laugh because I uh, love my old lineman. You know, when I'm yeah. not playing against them. But yeah. my guys, like you know, Kendall, Sim- <laughs> Kendall Simmons was one of my favorites because he was a rookie, first round pick. He comes and he's going against me, and he was having trouble. He was just having fits. And about halfway through camp, I finally decided to help him out. And I'm like, listen, Kendall. Oh, it took halfway through <laughs> camp, did it? So I had, to, I had, you know, I had to get him a little bit. You yeah. so, so halfway through camp, I'm like, listen, Kendall. Every time you line up, if you, all you do is look straight at me, if you're blocking me, and if you're blocking the backer, your eyes go right to the backer. I said that's how I look at your eyes every time you line up, and if your eyes are looking straight at me, then I know you're gonna block me. And if they're looking at the backer and reading everything else, then I know you're going somewhere else. And and I didn't have to tell him. That would have made me that much better. But I knew Kendall needed to play for us. We needed him to be the best he possibly could be. The other one, I'll tell you the same thing. I'll tell running backs this. You can always tell a running back. When a running back, young running back's getting the ball, they line up, and their head just looks where the hole is, and that's it. Mm. And so yeah. you know they're going to get the ball. When a veteran linebacker, they line up. And if he's got a pass protect, he lines up, and he's scanning the whole defensive front to try to figure out where he's got to go and protect. Right? But as you get to become veterans, them guys start to come up and they start to look around all the time. So they realize people like me are looking at your eyes to see if you look if you're looking around to see if it's a pass or run. You know stuff like that. I, and the other one I'll tell you, and I don't know if you, I realize this. I tell now that I coach high school, I say you know the difference between a veteran and a rookie. And this is what I I truly believe. The rookie's trying to think what he's supposed to do, right? So he's lining up and thinking about yep. his responsibility. What foot am I supposed to step on? The veteran's thinking, how am I going to do it to you? Because he already knows what he's supposed to do. So that's those exactly little things that, that's those little things that are going to make a difference. Like, how am I going to defeat you? I know where I got to go, and I know what I got to do. Now, how am I going to attack you and defeat you to make you – to beat, beat you? That's – to me, I, I love the game, but I think the chess match, and that's probably why I like jiu-jitsu so much, is the intricacies of the chess match of one-on-ones and how am I going to get you and set you up, you know, and what I need to do. You know, it's so funny that you got into jujitsu as I did after the game because you miss the contact, you miss the community, you miss the striving for excellence in something, and and the jujitsu provides that. But I want to just kind of ward off that. Tell me about that young man that was standing there 
who, you know, you went through a really difficult period early on in his life, Elijah, and the fact of what God has done to bring this young man around, and he's so healthy and strong, I just, it took my breath away to see him. And big. You know, yes, and big. (laughs) And big, you must feed him a lot. You know, when you think Uh, about where he's come from, man. You know, uh, I'll be honest with you, Wolf, that was probably one of the, one of not the hardest times in my life. You I know, when bet. he got diagnosed with leukemia at four yes. years old, I mean, that's probably every parent's nightmare, um, yes. to be honest with you. And, you know, you go through moments where you're not sure if he's even going to survive, mm-hmm. and then you get through the treatment, and then you got to deal with the side effects of the chemo, yep. and you're not sure. You know, at that point, I didn't even care if he played sports. I'm just happy to have my son, and, yes. and God has been good to me and given him a life and go on. And he started to play sports, and he's got, like, neuropathy and all the issues that you deal with from going through three and a half years of chemo and treatments. Yes. Um, and then he, he said, comes to me and tells me he wants to play football, and I'm like, are you crazy? Like, like you just beat cancer, buddy. Like, let's just chill out and just enjoy life a little bit. Like, let's not make things complicated. Uh, so then he goes and plays football. And... Um, you know, he had some limited success, but then he started to grow and mature and started to overcome some of those obstacles that he had. had. And then he got, you know, he gets his senior year and he, he goes, to, he commits to IUP and he goes to IUP and he registers there last year. And uh, now at this point, he came home this summer. I worked out with him every day and trained and stuff. But it's funny. I, I tell everybody, I never thought I'd be a smaller man in my own kitchen. He came down one day during the summer. <laughs> Looking like a big bear with his hair all over, and went to the fridge, and I'm standing there next to him, looking like this is ridiculous. I did not think this would ever happen to my house. Like, uh, but God has been so good. He's gonna go. Amen. He's going to camp up there on, on, on Saturday. We'll drive him up. I can't be more proud of him. You know, he's he's really coming into his own of his own man, and he's learned to work ethic, a desire, and a humility to just keep competing and do the best you could possibly do. So I, I am so proud, and God has been truly good to us. He's a Amen. You know, before we go, because unfortunately, I hate this. We we got to take a break. But I want, what does it mean to be a Hall of Honor recipient? I mean, to be voted in like that and talk about your your career as we you know close this out here, buddy. What's it mean to you? I'll be honest with you. I am I am so humbled. You know, when I when I look at that, the names on that wall and and the guys that they play with, that's that's some of the best players that ever played football. Be honest yep. with you, and, part, yeah. and to be on part of that wall, the best sports organization in the world. Uh, yes, I honestly don't feel like I belong. To be honest, huh. with you. like it's kind of weird. Like, like I'm not sure I'm worthy. Is what I feel like, and uh, but I am honored. And I am humbled. You know, the best part of it, and this is probably the coolest thing that someone's told me, uh, is a friend of mine said, "You know, and long after me and you are gone, your great grandchildren can see your face on that wall." Yeah. And I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. You know what I mean? That that's very cool. That kind of hit home a little bit because, honestly, at the end of the day, you win a Super Bowl, you go to the Pro Bowl, you still got to come home, change diapers, mow the grass, pick up dog food. Like that. <laughs> Life doesn't change yeah. a whole lot. Right? You guys can understand that. Yes. But when someone tells you something like that, it kind of hits home and you really kind of put it in perspective. And I am so appreciative and honored. And this is my city. You know, people ask me why I didn't leave. This is my place. I love the people of Pittsburgh. People of Pittsburgh is what makes Pittsburgh special. And I love the city and I love the organization. And to just be a part of that for the rest of my life and the years I had, I feel truly blessed. Well, Aaron Smith, Hall of Honor recipient, Super Bowl champion, Pro Bowler, and the best 3-4 defensive end that 
that uh, Dick LeBeau has ever seen. And, of course, as I've said, my favorite modern-era player. I want to thank you for joining us in the locker room. That was absolutely wonderful. You are the best, brother. And keep rolling in that jujitsu, man. Thank you, guys. I, two of my favorites. I, I, I love you guys. I hope you guys have a great day. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon. You Absolutely. betcha. Love you, brother. Take care, man. No, yeah. Thanks, Aaron. We love you, man. Well, I mean, nothing left to said. We're going to break yeah. in the locker room because that was awesome to talk with Aaron Smith. We'll be back in a minute. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, we got a quick turnaround here because we got to go to break, but Shark Week is on, Max. Yeah. You know, and I, I got to tell you something. I was watching last night. They were talking. They were showing the Meg. You know, the Megalodon. You know, yeah. Megalodon, yeah. Did I get it right? Megalo- yeah. Yeah, Megalodon. The, Megalodon, okay. Megalodon. I had the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yeah, and that happens a lot with all of well, us. Well, you will have that. But, you know, you got the tooth. Now, one tooth looks, you said a Chinese throwing star. It's even bigger than that. Yeah, it is. And and they were, like, searching. What was it like like in, like in South America, like in these fields? They were searching for it, and when they found one, it was like, Oh, my God, look at the And it was humongous. And I was just thinking, I was like, how to feed that? We talk about feeding linemen. Yes. Imagine having to feed a megalodon. No. To keep its weight up. That is... Did you see they, last night they showed they got a submarine. Yeah. And it, like during World War II. And they had, it looked like a megalodon. There's the dorsal fin and the tail fin. Yeah. You know, I mean, and they were like. It was right alongside the submarine, and you're thinking, can't Zooks, man. It's almost as long as big as a submarine. Yeah, it could eat a submarine <laughs> if it felt like it. And, you know, now we've, we've progressed and evolved as humanity that we can still eat a submarine. It's just a sandwich. <laughs> it's just a sandwich. <laughs> it's no longer a big one. But, yeah, but it was – But it, I mean, it was truly remarkable. And they said the great white shark's the one that took it out. So – Absolutely. You know, so I think that was pretty awesome. But, uh, but yeah, Shark Week – Shark stuff. We love shark stuff here on the show. You go to Sharkies. Yeah, go, can go to Sharkies if you want to feel like a shark. Well, and not only that, you you know you you, you get to get a Sharkies, uh, get the fat guy special. Get the fat guy so, delight. Some guys. It looks like a submarine, more like a torpedo, but it is. <laughs> well, that's what uh, you know that cheesesteak, Ogi. You know, it's like a. It's, it's amazing with fries. Yeah, with okay. fries. You know, in Buffalo they call them submarine sandwiches. Oh, there we go. Yeah, well, there you go. Once again, we're. we're you know, we should go try and be a Meg today. Ooh. Try and Meg. be a Meg. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But we, what we will be is going to break because we had such a phenomenal interview with, with uh, Aaron Smith in the last segment. We want to break that down yes. at the top of the hour, coming back right after this. You're in the locker room with Wolf and Starks, and we'll be back in a moment. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. <laughs> 